a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources. We have noted with sadness the passing of author, historian David McCullough today at age 89. Uh, he was a, an extraordinary and prolific writer that uh, impacted so many and really made history accessible uh, to so many. Uh, he was a master storyteller. Uh, I think it's interesting that uh, David McCullough and Vin Scully uh, passed away so close to one another. I think it's because neither could live without a good storyteller around uh, to have a good conversation. They may be doing that on the other side today. And David McCullough, of course, uh, was famous for his book on John Adams, uh, 1776, a book on the Brooklyn Bridge, Harry Truman, uh, amongst many others. He was an award winner, uh, Pulitzer Prize winner, and uh, just an extraordinary human being. And I had the opportunity, I think one of my favorite afternoons uh, when I was a chief of staff in Washington, D.C., was the afternoon I got to sit uh, with David McCullough in a appropriate setting in the Library of Congress. And we were able to have a, a conversation, and uh, he had done a, uh, a speech the day before that I actually was able to take two of my children to, uh, also at the Library of Congress, and talk about his experience and the way he approaches history and why history matters and why the story of this nation is so important. Uh, but I wanted to share a couple of lessons that I learned uh, on that day. There's nothing uh, more powerful than being in the Library of Congress and with a great historian and a great writer. And uh, really interesting, as we were sitting there in the Library of Congress, uh, he described his experience in actually becoming uh, a writer of history. He never intended to do that. He went to Yale. He studied uh, uh, English and literature. And he hated history. <laughs> David McCullough did not like history. Uh, he was an English major at Yale, and he had procrastinated taking his history class until his senior year, last semester. And he was so bugged that he had to take a history class. And he described, again, sitting there in the Library of Congress, as only David McCullough could describe it. He said he went to this history class, which, of course, was a big auditorium filled with freshmen. <laughs> and he was so bugged that as a soon-to-graduate senior, he had to sit through this history class uh, with a bunch of immature freshmen. He said then to make matters worse, the instructor walked in, and it wasn't even a real professor. It was a graduate student. Uh, and that graduate student's name was John Hubbard. And he walked into the room, and Hubbard was one of those people who believed that the best way to teach was to actually show what you love. And so John Hubbard, the graduate assistant there at Yale, with David McCullough sitting in the back row quite smugly, dreading this history class, the graduate assistant informed the class 
that they would never be tested on dates, locations, or events. Think about that. That's a pretty wild declaration from a history teacher. He said the class would focus entirely on the stories of those who lived and those who made history. Part of the reason David McCullough had disliked history was he hated to memorize locations and dates and times and events. McCullough said on that day in Washington, D.C., as we sat in the Library of Congress, he said, when he said I wouldn't be tested on any of those things, it was like a window being blown open. He said, in that instant, history was no longer a collection of facts and dates. It became an inexhaustible source of ideas to be explored. McCullough, of course, uh, went on to become a world-renowned writer and author, historian, really the, the master of the art of narrative history. I don't know that there's anyone better in narrative history. Uh, he won two Pulitzer Prizes, two National Book Awards. He received the Presidential Medal of Freedom, nation's highest civilian award, Uh, More importantly, I think to the very end, McCullough was still learning. Uh, He really believed in what Winston Churchill described as the empires of the mind, that the empires of the future would be the empires of the mind. And I think Churchill was right, and David McCullough embraced that in a significant way. David McCullough often uh, described himself as sort of a foreign correspondent, uh, not to a foreign country, but to a, a, for, a foreign time and space. And he, he often shared uh, what he would do out in his, uh, his old little shed outside his home. Uh, really interesting, just as a perspective. Uh, he worked most of his career in a very tiny windowed shed behind his house in Massachusetts. And almost everything he wrote was written on a 1940 Royal typewriter, which he purchased for $25 in 1965. I've had my grandsons this week, and uh, they have actually become very intrigued with this thing called the typewriter and the fact that you can only push one letter at a time. David McCullough said that he liked the tactile part of it. He says, I like rolling the paper and pushing the lever at the end of the line. I like the bell that rings uh, like an old train. I even like crumpling up pages that don't work. He said, I also don't like the idea that technology might fail me. I don't like the idea that the words that I'm writing are not really on anything. I thought that was interesting. One of the important lessons that David McCullough, I think, teaches for all of us uh, is he he said the at one speech, he said that discovery uh, comes most often not from finding something unknown or long hidden, but from seeing afresh what has been on the table all along. And again, he was that foreign correspondent uh, to the past, not to another, not to another country. Uh, do we have time to get this clip in real quick? All right, I'm going to play just a quick uh, clip from a speech at DePaul University from David McCullough. History is a way to understand who we are and where we came from and at what cost. 
and the mistakes that were made and the injustices and the brave people who set out to correct those injustices, the builders of our society, the writers, the painters, who are as important to our understanding as our, our mountains and our rivers. Take away Gershwin, take away Winslow Homer, take away Mark Twain, it'd be like taking away the Rocky Mountains. You can't, you can't understand yourself or your country without some sense of the past. Daniel Borston, one of our great historians, has said you can't plan for the future without a sense of the past because trying to do that would be like trying to plant cut flowers. It doesn't work. Harry Truman said the only new thing in the world is the history you don't know. So we need to encourage better teaching of history. We need to encourage more people to major in history. He went on to say that he had always been interested in the creative force the creative force, whether it's music, song, lyrics, words, and how that creative force impacts our history. Uh, great lessons from David McCullough, who recognized that we do have to understand our history, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But more importantly, we do need to treat it as if we're going to a foreign country. When you go back in time, it is a different place, and you have to understand that and not apply what you think you know today uh, to what happened a long time ago. More important, I think he taught us the lesson that we all need to create our own empire of the mind, that we all need to be part of the creative force and process that is the United States of America. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources today. And as you go out into the world, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. KSL FM Midvale. KSL Salt Lake City. Listen on any smart speaker and in your car at 102.7 FM. KSL News Radio, Utah's all day companion for news. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.